Good morning, everybody. There's a lot of churches you could have attended this morning. You could have chosen to go to Bedside Baptist Church. How many know Pastor Pillow preaches a nice message? He's always got the right soothing comfort for our souls. But no, you made it. You braved the cold. If I haven't had the chance to meet you and you're a guest with us, my name is Scott. I have the privileged responsibility of teaching this morning and uh, being the pastor here at Novation, and I'm delighted that you chose to, to worship with us. What we hope and pray for everybody every Sunday is not that you would walk away and say great worship, preaching, building, whatever, but you would say at Novation Church, they have a great God, they have a great Savior, and that's our hope and prayer is that you will know Him and follow Him and have your life transformed by Him. We're a group of imperfect people following a perfect Savior. This is an imperfect church because I'm in it, <laughs> because you're in it. That just makes, you know, there is no perfect church, right? But there is a perfect Savior, and so we love Him and we want to worship Him. So let's pray and we'll dig into what God has for us this morning. Father, Your Word is truth. We've already declared that. You're holy and good righteous, faithful, all those things we were just singing about you, God, we say that is true. And we pray this morning as we, as we read your word, as we see what's on your heart for us, God, that you would have your will and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we started um, a brand new teaching series, and we're going through the, the letter of 1 John. And last week we talked about what it meant to walk in the light and how to walk in the light. And John is, it's the Apostle John who was one of the 12 chosen by Jesus. Um, he wrote the Gospel of John. He was an eyewitness account of a person who saw Jesus' life, heard his teachings, uh, saw him die on the cross, and then saw the empty tomb, and then saw the resurrected Jesus and was commissioned as the rest of the apostles to go share the good news to the world. And so we have this letter of 1 John, because he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John as well, that he wrote to the churches. And this 1st John is kind of a general letter to, to the believers at the, the time of the early church. And at the time he wrote this, he was an old man. And he was a, a man full of wisdom who had been transformed by Jesus. And he's writing this letter at a time where the early believers were being persecuted just for following Jesus. I mean, we don't understand that in, in where we live, but there are other brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that are, it's illegal to be a Christian. Think about that. We need to pray for them often. So this is the audience. They were being persecuted and they were also having to, uh, they were, false teachers were coming in behind the apostles at this time and, and they were trying to add to the gospel. They were trying to add to the simplicity of Jesus. And so John is equipping them throughout this letter on how to keep it about Jesus and how to keep it on the truth of what they had learned from the beginning. So today, I've titled the message, Because of Jesus. I wonder if, if you know what you have because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have hope. Because of Jesus, we have forgiveness. Because of Jesus, we have purpose. Because of Jesus, we have the promise of eternal life. 
I could sit here for an hour and tell you all the things that we have because of Jesus. But the message today out of this uh, chapter 2, verses 3 through 14, I believe we have three things because of Jesus that maybe we don't think about often enough. And I know putting this together, it's really rocked me this week. I've had um, just a little personal revival myself in, in putting this together, and I pray, I've been praying for you to experience the Spirit in a new way today. So the first thing I want you to write down, because of Jesus, I have a full life to live. Because of Jesus, you and I have a full life to live. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, He said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and life to the full. So Jesus came to give us a, a full life. When we think of a full life, um, we often tend to think that a full life is living to the ripe old age of whatever, 90, and just dying in our sleep, and that, that was it. Or we think of having the right career, the right spouse, the right number of kids, no kids, whatever we think a full life is, a career, you know, a house in Cabo, right? That'd be all right. But we, we are conditioned to think that because we, we, that is a full life because we only think of, of this life, this short amount of time that we live in this world. And yet, according to Jesus, that's not what a full life is. If you look at the life of Jesus, he didn't own a home. Doubt he had very much possessions. I mean, he lived a very simple life, and yet he's the greatest life ever lived, and he teaches us what a full life is. I'm going to read uh, verses 3 through 6. John writes, he says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone says, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. This is the key. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Should live their lives as Jesus did. That's the meaning of a full life is to live my life as Jesus did. Now, Jesus is the greatest life ever, right? He's the perfect example of what, a, of what a full life really is. When you look at, at the life of Jesus, you see a life that's sacrificial and serving. I mean, he modeled sacrificial living and, and, a, and a life of servanthood. And it's, I've been meditating on this a lot lately that, you know, we, we often theologically just go, yeah, Jesus is 100% God and he's 100% human. But there's so much more to that. He is, he is the picture of what God is like. If somebody wants to know what is God like, it's look at Jesus. If, but the, the, the other key to this is, what does it mean to be human? Look at Jesus. How did he live his life? Let that sink in. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at the life of Jesus. He's the prototype of what humanity is supposed to live like, not look like, because in this room, and you'll see later, we don't all look the same. We're not all built the same. But he is the prototype of what humanity is supposed to live like. And I think that's the, the convicting part. 
full life, when we understand living like as Jesus did, then we understand what our purpose is. God didn't create any of us to be rich and famous or whatever else you want to put in there. Now, people are rich and famous, and he's given people a platform to, to do his will, but he created us to be like Jesus. Romans 8, Romans 8 29 says, God predestined us to become like Jesus in how we think, act, and speak, and how we treat people, how we learn how to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love our neighbor as ourself. That's what it means to be fully human. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says something that's pretty amazing. He says, if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. Did you catch that? If you want to be my follower, we got to turn from our selfish ways and turn to live the way that, that Jesus lives. I've been so aware of my selfishness lately. And I think the Lord's wanting to do a work in me and in all of us. We're blind sometimes to how self-centered we really are. And you can be blind to that. And we need to daily, Lord, help me not to be selfish. Help me to live a full life. Because a selfish life is the opposite of a full life according to Jesus. Obviously not according to the ways of the world or our culture. It's going to teach us Go get yours while you can. Life is short, live it up. But Jesus says, enter into this full life by dying to yourself. We spend a lot of time and effort and, and money in trying to avoid the inevitability of our death. Like physically, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, every single one of us is going to have to face physical death unless Jesus returns before then. And the, the reality of our, our death, our mortality, Jesus is using the reality of our physical death and what I just read to you to show us how to die to ourselves and how to enter into real life. We're trying to preserve our life here when Jesus is saying, die to yourself and enter into to real life, literally. And the great part about this is this way of life of dying to ourself, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, that discipleship to Jesus, that when I read that, that sounds so difficult. Who wants to take up a cross, right? That's the instrument of death. And yet, Jesus said, take up your cross and find out what life is really about. And this way of life is, is, is beautiful because it can't be touched by physical death because it's entered into through death, through death to myself. So we got to learn how to die to our own agenda. Die to the temporal things um, of this world. When we often bring an agenda to God in prayer and we say, God bless my plans. How many are guilty of that? I am. God bless my plans. Instead of, God, here's a blank piece of paper with my signature on the bottom of it, you fill it in how you want to. Fill in your agenda for my life. Let me be submitted to that. That is 
full life. Jesus said something again in, in the Gospel of John. He said, uh, let me find it here. Yeah. John 12, 24 and 25, he says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Here's the key. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Wow. He's saying something there in both of those passages. I I read recently about uh, in the Egyptian pyramids that are thousands of years old, they found um, uh, grain. They found grain in, in these pyramids that was thousands of years old. And it hadn't hit no sunlight or anything like that. And they took this thousands of year old kernels of, of wheat and they put it in the ground and they watered it and it produced grain, thousand year old, because a, a grain seed has to die. That's what a seed does. It has to die when it's put in the ground. That's Jesus' illustration to us. If we want to be fruitful, I've got to die to myself. I've got to die to, to my agenda for my life. And I think the reality is selfishness is the root of all of our problems. It really is. It's ultimately the root of all our relational problems. It's how we get along with others in marriage, friendship, church, work. Selfishness is the root of all of our problems, and Jesus wants us to turn from that and turn to a life of selflessness. And I know in myself, I don't have the power to do that. And I tell you, neither do you, but he does. And Jesus wants us to learn how to live that kind of life. What I want to do right now is um, I want a time of just a moment of reflection, okay? I want you to reflect in your life right now, where are you selfish? Where is selfishness towards God and giving him an agenda? He didn't answer your prayer the way you thought he would, and maybe you're frustrated with him, or it's a relationship, or you know inside God's been convicting you to be a better husband, wife, be a better follower. I think he wants us to call us to some repentance this morning and do a work so as Mike sings this song, just reflect in your life. Are you living the full life that Jesus promised? Or are we going in the opposite direction, trying to find a full life in everything else? So tired from walking And Lord, I'm so alone Lord, the dark was creeping in Was creeping up to swallow me Think I'll stop Rest here a while 
This is all that I can say right now This is all that I can give This is all that I can say right now This is all that I can give That's my everything heart too I wish that you'd remember where you sat it down and this is all this is all that I can say right now this is all that I can give it's my everything this is all that I can say right now. This is all that I can give. That's my everything. That's my everything. I didn't know that it was you washing my feet And this is all, this is all that I can say right now I know it's not much This is all that I can give And that's my everything this is all that I can say right now, right now. I know it's not much. This is all that I can give. That's my everything. This is all that I can say right now, right now. I know it's not much. This is all that I can give. That's my everything This is all that I can say right now Oh, I know it's not much This is all that I can give It's my everything It's my everything 
Let's center our hearts and minds and focus on Jesus. I wrote a prayer for us to pray about living the full life that that he has for us. And I invite you to pray this out loud with me. It's going to be up on the screen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I am guilty of being selfish. I think too much about myself than I do others. I am often blind to my selfishness. Today I repent of being selfish and self-focused. I want to die to myself so that I may live for your glory and the good of others. Jesus, you have set the example that I am to follow. Jesus, your life was marked by sacrifice. May mine be as well. Lord, help me to live as you did and to die to myself so that I can truly live. Thank you for your grace and power to be transformed by your spirit. Amen. Because of Jesus, we have a full life to live. And because of Jesus, you can write this down, I have a perfect command to follow. Because of Jesus, I have a perfect command to follow. John continues in this, our text this morning, and he says, Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. <clears throat> Rather, it is an old one you have heard from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a, a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. In John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus told his disciples, he said, a new command I give you, love one another. And I'm sure the disciples thought to themselves, how is this new? Because you, you can go all the way back to the law in Leviticus where they were told to love their neighbor as themselves. And Jesus said that all of the commandments, all of the law hung on this two commands of love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So they knew that. Why was that a new command? Because Jesus continues on and he says, as I have loved you, you're to love one another. Jesus had just got finished washing their feet. The king of kings, the creator of the universe, took the, the position of a humble servant to wash their feet. He says, as I have loved you, that's how I want you to love and treat one another and to care for one another. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. He says, if you really love me, then do what I ask you to do. Now, when you... Think about a command, right? A command is not an option, right? You command, if, if you're commanded to do something, it's not an option. But to the level I obey that command is behind the authority of the one who gave the command. Give you an ex everyday example. Um, I've seen some of you drive. 
Is a stop sign optional? Is, a, is it yellow or was it red? Uh, is 10 over okay? I mean, that's honest. Like, so we're the authority of speed limits or whatever, we go, yeah, sometimes, you know, most of the time. Um, but how about an employee, what they obey for a paycheck most of the time, right? They, they know if they don't obey, they're going to get fired. A soldier in the military obeys or they're going to be in trouble with their superior officer. They obey, they obey because they need to. When Jesus says, if you love me, you'll, you'll obey me, he wants us to, to learn to obey because we want to, because we believe his words are true. We believe his ways are what life is really about. So learning to obey Jesus comes from a, a want to rather than, you know, a have to. Sometimes we, we get that wrong. When, when we see the commands of God, when he tells us to do something or not to do something, it's because he loves us and has our best interest at heart. He's not trying to throw a drag in our life. That doesn't mean it's easy. Taking up a cross is not an easy thing to do, but it's what he told us to do. And we need to learn how to do that. And here's an important thing. When he says love one another, notice that he, didn't, he does, doesn't command us to like one another. We get that so wrong. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Love is a, an action verb. Love is something that you do. Sometimes you're not going to feel like for the people that you love. It's important, but you still love them. You still, you still, you still care about them. The beauty of, of him not saying, thou shalt like everyone, or thou shalt feel you know, emotion for, for one another. He, he said, do the action. You know what? When we do the action of love, feelings often follow. I have heard couples, you know, that are in trouble. One of the spouses would say something like, I love you, but I'm not in love with you anymore. And honestly, that's the most unchristian thing somebody could ever say. Most unchristlike thing. Because you didn't, when, you, when two people said, I do, you didn't say, I, I make a promise to feel love for you every day, even when you tick me off and don't do you know, the things I want you to do or whatever. You, you make a promise to do something it's so important that we remember that. The beauty of this perfect command to follow is you, don't ha- you can show love to people that you don't like or even agree with right? You can still show love to people you don't like or agree with. It's what we're called to do. And so I wonder today, you know, our church isn't huge, but we're not, we're not small either. We don't all know each other very well. We're just one expression of the local church. But within the, the, the body of Christ, we are called to love one another. And that means we have to move away from judgment like it's easy to judge somebody because they rub you wrong or check them off your list. <laughs> and, and I get it. You're not going to like everybody in, in the body of Christ, but it's, it's kind of like being born. You didn't have any choice to be born, and you didn't have ch- a choice to be born into the family you were born into. We don't get to choose our family, and we don't get to choose our family when it comes to church, right? We get, you could choose where to go to church, but wherever you go, somebody's going to rub you wrong. It's just called life, right? But we can still show love towards one another. I'm sure that's never happened at Novation Church, right? It's clean slate. You know, 
church is messy, right? And, and when I think of that, like, I thought that probably would have been a great name for a church. Come to messy church. Because I don't know if it, you'd have zero people there or thousands of people come. You know, it depends on how honest we are. But we're messy. And welcome to messy church. Because read the Bible and all the messy characters that we read about and the disciples and how slow they were to get it. But the reality is we're in this thing together. And I would, I would ask you this, to, to love is to, to overlook the faults of somebody. And it's a continuing overlook the faults. That doesn't mean we don't help each other when we're, when we're, we're, we're sinning or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but there's people quirks. You know, you don't get along with somebody. We're to overlook that. That's to show love. That's part of the perfect command to follow. But also, there's forgiveness for those who have wronged you. Forgiveness is not an option, right? We are to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. On your notes, I've put an opportunity right now as a kind of a a moment of reflection as well that today I'm acknowledging the pain and frustration. Hopefully they're not sitting next to you or peeking on your notes, but today I'm acknowledging the pain and frustration that that person has caused you. And today you're choosing to forgive. Take a moment right now. Who, who, who comes up in your thoughts and you go, oh, you're having a hard time forgiving. You're having a hard time showing mercy. Who's the person that's rubbed you wrong recently? Father, we take the people that have hurt us or that are frustrating us and we take them to the cross where you forgave our sins and we forgive as you have forgiven us. Lord, help us to not take revenge and not to continue to bring it up, but to to pray blessing over them in Jesus' name, amen. I've always said, I know that you, you know that you've forgiven somebody when you can pray blessing over them. That's, that's probably one of the biggest marks. The third thing today that we have because of Jesus is I have an ever-growing family to love and be loved by. It's the church. Because of Jesus, we have one another. We have an ever-growing family to love and be loved by. John, in this passage that we're studying today, he all of a sudden does this little like left turn and like writes this like song or creed or, or you know, I don't know what it was, a hymn or, or whatever, a poem. And he writes about the body of Christ and the diversity in the body of Christ. And he says, I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature, he's in other translations, that are fathers in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in you, lives in your hearts and in you, and you have won your battle with the evil one. Now, he's not talking about literal age there. It's, a, it's kind of a spiritual age. He, God wants each one of us to grow. 
He wants us to grow in maturity as we live the full life that Jesus gives us and we follow him. He wants us to mature, each one of us. He, he expects us to mature as we have babies in the room right now and, and little ones, they're going to grow bigger, right? And we've watched people come into this world and, and you, you, God expects that same kind of maturity. How do you mature in the faith? You got to read the Bible and get to know Jesus. You're not going to grow without the Word of God. But the more you read the Word of God, the more you get to know Jesus and understand the kind of life He wants us to live, and then we, we mature. He gave us the gift of prayer to talk to Him about anything at any time. He's always with us. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, Jesus' presence wherever we go. He gave us one another to care for one another, to mentor one another to do life together. But God also wants us to grow in numbers. He wants for us to make more disciples for him. Uh, We are striving to be a disciple-making church, not a church that just fills a room with a crowd, but that we actually help one another in our daily life beyond Sunday. So important. The beauty of the body of Christ is that, that it's diverse. Those that I called to come forward, would you come stand up? in front of the stage here. Um, the beauty of the body of Christ is it, 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 you know, it comes in various shapes and sizes, right? You're okay, Ash. They're coming. I trust me. Um, the body of Christ is beautiful. It's diverse. And we, it, we see the beauty. Go over towards the middle, middle um, so people can see you. Keep going. Just a little bit. Look at this. Shapes, some tall, some with full heads of hair, some with no hair. I mean, I wasn't. How did you know I was talking about you? Look, though, this is the body of Christ. We don't all look alike. We're not all the same size. We're not all the same age. But I write to you. I write to you fathers. I write to you children right to you, young man, because you've overcome the evil one. You know him who's from the beginning. It's the body of Christ. We take care of one another. We love one another. We have an ever-increasing family. I had no idea you guys were going to make me cry like that. (laughs) I love the body of Christ, and I love our people. So you guys can sit down so I could gather my thoughts here. But that's the body of Christ. Give it up for these guys and gals. Not too long ago, we had a a reading from the Psalms as part of worship. And it was so beautiful. We had four or five different languages. Kevin, who was down here at the end, he speaks five languages. (laughs) We could have had him do the whole thing, right? But... He's, he's the smartest guy in the church, so you want to get to know him. But, um, man, to hear the Word of God in different languages, it's every tribe, every tongue, every nation around the, the throne of God. There's beauty in that because of Jesus. Let's, let's today, let's stand with me and we'll pray. Let's, let's today commit to turn away from selfishness and live as Jesus lived. Let's strive to obey his perfect command of love remember love's not a feeling you can love even when you don't like somebody 
you can show love. And then love the body. Let's love one another. Let's let this church be marked that they really do love one another there. Lord, today we commit and recommit our lives to you, Lord Jesus. Today in this room, if you've never committed your life to Jesus, you become his disciple by trusting in him as Savior, and then you follow him as Lord, as his disciple. That means he gets to call the shots and you learn how to live from him. Today, put your faith in him if you haven't. And Lord, we recommit our lives to live the full life that Jesus lived. As we've repented of our selfishness, we rejoice now in the grace and the power to live as you lived. We love you so much. Help us, God, to love you by loving one another well and by loving the people of this world well. God, the people we don't agree with or we don't like, help us to show love We know it's easy to love those who love us, but God, it's hard to love those that are unlovable sometimes. We praise you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for filling us fresh and new today with your word, the gospel, and the power and and the, the perfect command to follow. In Jesus' name, amen.